Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Lockdown Canadians Inside today's show. It is all about the listeners. It is our Friday mailbag. We've got a ton of questions on everything from Martin St. Louis to making omelets, and you're not going to want to miss out on that today. You're Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 560 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Every single day, we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. And if you are watching us right now, Thank you. We are also available on YouTube. We hit 500 subscribers. My co-host eats something gross, and I get to laugh about it. I am one of your hosts. <laughs> I am Scott Metla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, the Habs have won four games in a row, and I know we talked about it last episode, but I'm still I'm riding high that I could go into work, and I had people go, hey, what the hell happened? Your team's good now, and I get to actually gloat about my hockey team. So it's... Uh, it's a pretty good time. How are you feeling here as we uh, head into uh, the weekend here? Well, like I'm getting asked a lot, you know, what is so different about the Habs? Like, what's the change here? Why are they playing so well? Why are they Why are they winning? And I think uh, I think it's just the coach is much better than anyone <laughs> thought. I guess much better than the previous coach, obviously, but much also much better than anyone thought. Yes. And as always, it is Friday. Normally we would kind of have a segment where we talk about other things. We have a ton of questions, which comes with the team being not flaming dumpster trash. So if you want to send us questions, as always, you can send them to lockdowncanadians at gmail.com or at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. We love mailbag questions. They are the best part of our week, except for Will, because he's the worst. Uh, Laura, do we want to start right with the uh, email questions that we got? We got a couple earlier in this week, correct? We did. So uh, our friend Lucas uh, emailed us after both the win against the Leafs and the win against the Sabres. I'm going to start with the win against the Sabres because it's a bit more observations that we kind of wanted to talk about. And then the one with the, the one about the Leafs, is, it has a question in it. Um, so the first thing is, I mean, what can you say? This isn't just winning. They're pummeling opponents. A few thoughts on tonight. So this was the Sabres game. One, hope Anderson is okay. Yes, we all hope Anderson is okay. I think tomorrow we might get a little bit more information on him. I, I also know that they're going to uh, let us know something about Carey Price and the fact that they announced well in advance that they were going to address it on, on Friday has everybody worried. Uh, fingers crossed that both of them are okay. Uh, Lucas, the second observation. Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are 10 times the players they were earlier this year. I think uh, we can all agree on that. Uh, three, I love Monty. Uh, Montalvo <laughs> is really finding his stride, right? He's he's uh, he's doing really well. One thing that I've talked about on Twitter a lot, but I haven't really mentioned on this podcast, is the thing I love about Samuel Montalvo is uh, I listen to all of his press conferences because he has very thought out question uh, answers in French. So a lot of the times, um, most of the players are, are English speaking. So the media will interview them in English. There's a few players that are bilingual, so they'll get interviewed in French and English. Uh, Samuel Montembeau is definitely somebody that they should put um, in front of the media more often, even, you know, after really tough losses, even when he's having a hard time, uh, he does have like thoughtful, articulate 
good answers in French. And so I think they should do that. Um, he seems to be thriving as well. So, uh, so, um, so, you know, uh, that's, that's great. And so the final observation from Lucas is in the presser, Martin Saint-Louis said two things that stick out to me. First, he said that Evans, Dauphin, and Anderson are taking care of the team by blocking shots, smart line changes, changes, etc. Most often, you hear the phrase doing the small things right, but not with Martin Saint-Louis. So you're kind of drawing that comparison. Instead of saying doing all the little things right, he's saying taking care of the team. He's kind of reinforcing that team mentality, but he's also giving them, like, he's giving weight to their good play, right? Like, he's 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 got this really great manner with the players, and so I, I really like that. Next observation. Secondly, that third period against the Leafs was rough. Two quick goals and we all got worries. Oh, and we all got worried. So what does Martin Saint-Louis say tonight? He says that when you are two goals down, you press. And when you are two goals up, you press. As it annoys the other team and it makes it hard to come back. I believe that lapse against the Leafs became a thing and it took Martin Saint-Louis less than 48 hours to drill at home. And tonight, the Habs press went up one goal, then two goals, and again at three goals. That's the model of efficiency we haven't seen here in decades. I think that's very, very true. I think it's a great observation. I, I love that second observation because how often do we see the Habs this year or under Claude Julien get a lead and then they just kind of crawled into their shell and everything went badly for them? And against Toronto, they did kind of sit back. Admittedly, they were on a back-to-back on the second half of that after playing a lot the week before. And it's a fresh Toronto team. So I can understand them looking a little bit winded in the third period there. But like Lucas said, against Buffalo, they just didn't let up. The Sabres are capable of coming back in those games. The Sabres might not be good, but they're not a pushover like they used to be. Uh, and, and they've never been a pushover for the Canadians. That's not how this uh, back and forth works here. And to go to his point about Anderson, Dauphin, and Jake Evans is that the way he builds up players, it reminds me a little bit of what Joel Bouchard did in Laval is that it's always complimentary. There's not a, well, so-and-so didn't do this, so-and-so. It's, you know, I want to do this for the guys. And he calls them the boys or the guys or whatnot out there. And you can see that he kind of gets it. He gets the mentality. As a former player, he understands how players want to be coached and how they want to understand things. And taking care of the team is, it's a really interesting way of looking at doing the little things right is that, Hey, you're going out there and you're taking care of the team by blocking shots on the penalty kill, or just getting the puck out and changing lines quickly on a defensive zone faceoff, So we can get Nick Suzuki out there. We can get so-and-so out there. It might not make a lot of difference to some people, but clearly it's resonating within the Canadians right now. And I think that's such a crucial part of, where his success is coming from. And I now admittedly don't watch a lot of the post-game pressers just because we usually record a show right after that. And sometimes I just want to go to bed. So um, I, I guess I'll have to make a point to kind of sit down and watch Samuel Montembeau talk after these are over. Uh, Laura, we have one more email question, correct? Two. Two more? We've got two. Well, one of them is kind of, it was born out of a conversation. So this is again, Lucas, this was after the, um, the uh, Leafs game after the Canadians beat the Leafs. And it was just sort of like, a, you know, obviously we love beating the Leafs, but a question that was born out of that conversation is, where's the funniest place Austin Matthews will land after this contract in Toronto is over? Uh, Arizona, and then Arizona immediately moves to Quebec City. So, um, <laughs> like which one that. is awful for me. I don't know why I'm wishing for that because I want to see less of Austin Matthews against the Canadians. So... I think that's the worst pop. Actually, that might be the worst. The funniest would be him becoming a Boston Bruin somehow. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Admittedly, again, terrible for the Habs. It was 4-1. It was 4-1. It was Um, (laughs) 34-1. Just anything that immediately just drives that dagger in the heart of Leaf fans immediately makes it funny. So becoming a senator, becoming a Hab, becoming a Bruin, becoming a Sabre, for God's sake. Him becoming a I said Vancouver. Oh, yes. Ooh. Buffalo Buffalo is a really intriguing option. I thought like the first one I thought was Senators, but I was like, they'll never do that because they don't have Austin Matthews money. So then I, I well, they like, do. Hey, it's just Eugene Melnick won't spend it on anything. So they have <laughs> Austin Matthews money, but they spend it on nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the Sabres is the funniest death is the funniest possible destination because they could lose Jack Eichel, turn around, get Alex talking all these guys and then pay Austin Matthews a bajillion dollars and have him torment the Leafs for the rest of his career. Like that, that might be the funniest. Uh, Let us know where you think the funniest Austin Matthews destination is. You can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. You can leave it in the comments on YouTube. Have that discussion. It's always a good time. We're going to get right back into our mailbag questions. But first, you know, it is locked on. You know, we love Built Bar and we also love Built Bar Puffs. They are the first ever Protein-infused marshmallow. Trust me, get a couple of them, melt them in a thing of hot chocolate, get swole. It's fantastic. There are flavors for everyone. In terms of the chuff, er, the puffs, I should say, you can get churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They are all covered in chocolate. And just like Built Bar, low calories, low sugar, low carbs, high in protein, everything you want. And if you want the regular Built Bars, there are flavors for everybody. You can get things like white chocolate cookies and cream, Raspberry, cherry, barcia, mint chocolate, something for everyone. And if you go to built.com right now and use our promo code LOCKED15, you can get 15% off your next order. So please go check it out. Find something you want on that website. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your first order. And as always, folks, thank you so much for making Lockdown Canadians your first listen of the day every single day. When you're done checking us out, check out Locked On Now, where you can get all the breaking news from across the NHL, wherever you get your podcast, and on YouTube. There is also something for everyone there. Please check them out, subscribe, and follow along with them so you are kept up on everything happening in the NHL. But we are back to the Friday mailbag. Remember, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com or at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. We love your mailbag questions. We do. We always appreciate your support. Laura, you said we have one more email question after that. What do we got? It's from our old friend, David. Um, And the question is, Hola, friends. In the last four games, Sherratt and Kulak have played really well. I think that increases their trade value. Don't you? Yes. Uh, I mean, we've said it how many times on this show that someone's going to trade for Ben Sherratt and someone's going to trade for Brett Kulak and whoever trades for Brett Kulak is going to be uh, happier with their choice. And Martin St. Louis, when he was hired, originally came in, he's, he's the here to suss out who wants to be part of the solution and who is kind of, I don't want to call them an anchor because that feels kind of rude, but who is slowing down the process a little bit here. And I wonder, I still think Sherrod is all but gone. I cannot see a way that this team wanting to get assets and rebuilding pieces isn't trading him at the deadline. Brett Kulak is a more interesting one because I can see he's on an affordable contract. He, like everyone else, had kind of a down year. But if he's showcasing where he can be when he's playing well, that might be more appealing to Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and even Martin St. Louis because I think Kulak has looked a lot like that guy that played really well alongside Jeff Petrie. 
But I also think he could be a very valuable trading piece as well, and it opens up space for more of the younger guys. I The Habs aren't going to stay undefeated uh, on a run like this forever. So sooner or later, things are going to go bad, and you're going to have to trade pieces in this, and you're going to need to fill pieces in and analyze what you have in minor league players as well. I still think Sherratt's gone. Brett Kulak is a 50-50, but I think if they get the right piece, you know, maybe a mid-tier prospect, maybe a second round or a third round pick, I wouldn't be shocked if Brett Kulak is sent somewhere to his team with a very smart analytics department who knows what they're getting out of him. So uh, that wraps up the email stuff. Let's delve into Twitter where you never know what you're going to get some days, to be quite <laughs> honest with you in our questions. So we'll start uh, with... Sorry, go on. I was say, where did you want to start with everything today, Laura? Uh, we'll start with our friend Goalie Droid. Should the Habs have done what they're doing now, in parentheses, fired the coach and GM to build out and modernize, in 2015-2016 when Price was also out with injury and the team was bad even though the people hired now were not available back then? See, that's interesting because Michel Therrien was fired the following season, 2016-2017? Um, I thought it was 2017. Well, he was fired on uh, Valentine's Day, 2017. So it would have been the, it would have been the next season, right? Uh, and they were good that year because shocker of all shocks, Carey Price was healthy and carried Michel Terry and system on his back. That was a very interesting thing because around that time is when we started looking at coaching prospects in the QMJHL, and there were three names that were very uh, appealing floating around. There was Dominique Ducharme who was coaching the Halifax Mooseheads. There was Joel Bouchard, who was, uh, I believe at the time, coaching the Blainville Boivriand Armada. And there was Jean-Francois Houle, who was also coaching in the queue. And lo and behold, several years later, they ended up with all three at one point or another. So I, I do think that would have been very interesting looking at that based on who was available. I think in that time frame, could the Canadians have ended up with someone like Bob Hartley as coach? Patrick Waugh? shiver down my spine with that one i i think that the the second year that they were really truly bad i think it was after the kotka niemi season and they still kind of weren't great i think that's the time when a change definitely had to be made but there is a very strong argument for 2015 2016 because some of the cracks started to show their um Obviously, Burge Van got Jeff Peter the year before, but then there was the one year that it was Dwight King, Andreas Martinson, and everything at the trade deadline. And that should have been the breaking point there is that they're not getting very far with Mark Bergman at the helm. Even if Claude Julien is a very good coach, something's not clicking here. So it's probably a couple of years overdue. Um, I'm grateful that they actually did it, though. So uh, it's LA's problem now to be. To be rather frank, sorry, Sarah. We we do love and appreciate you on this show, but the uh, the handsome suit man is now your problem, not ours. Yeah, I think you know if you look back, that was also I was still writing for uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize occasionally at the time, and uh, I remember just getting sick of of wanting them to do a coaching change because in the post lockout year uh, or that that half season that they had after that lockout. Um, he had, he, 
Tarion came in with like fresh ideas, uh, new things. The Canadians were playing amazing possession hockey, and then the Sens bullied them in the first round of the playoffs, and they went back to old school hockey and they didn't try new things. And I think, like, if you look in the modern NHL, the easiest way to predict if a coach is going to get fired or not is the first one is if his goalie is underperforming, and the second <laughs> one is yeah. if he has no new ideas. And that's exactly what happened with Claude Julien, even though I think he's a fantastic coach in terms of systems. It's exactly what happened with Dominique Ducharme. He had no new ideas, and he lost the trust of the players. Um, and they brought in Martin Saint-Louis, and he's nothing but new ideas by default. So I do think that if you look around the NHL and you look around the AHL as well, and you look at the guys who are the up and coming, you know, like Joel Bouchard is, abs- is absolutely one of them. You know, obviously he's in Anaheim now, but we loved him because he was a new ideas kind of coach. You have to constantly be evolving. Anyway, all this to say is that I remember those times, goalie droid, and yes, I wish they had done that, but there weren't really that many candidates at the time um, that would have been suitable. All right. Uh, do we have time for one more question in this segment, Scott? Uh, we probably have time for one or two short ones, I think. I think we can manage that. Uh, so, okay. We'll start with Jeff the Red. Really quick question. In what place do you think Cole Caulfield will finish in the rookie scoring race? Oh, okay. So, I, I we talked about this a little bit last night, and it's uh, it's hard to say. Let me look. I'm going to look at the... Rookie offensive leader, Lucas Raymond has 39 points and Cole Caulfield, I believe has 16 uh, as of right now. Yes. So here it is. Cole Caulfield is currently, uh, that's, uh, he has 14. He has 18 points in 37 games. If he keeps, apparently Rem Pitlick is considered a rookie, by the way. And Rem Pitlick has 20. All right. We're throwing everything else out the window. We're going Rem Pitlick for Calder now, but, um, (laughs) I think he has a very good chance of landing inside the top seven here. Uh, he's within striking distance of a bunch of these guys. If he has another strong game like he's been having, he's going to rock it up past uh, Jamie Drysdale, Alex Newhook, Rem Pitlick, and everything there. I think he can easily finish in the top seven for rookie scoring. And then the question becomes, how many Calder votes is he going to get right now? So, um, But as of right now, I think he can definitely uh, – get himself up there as it, as it stands. Uh, do we have time for one more? Yes. We have time for one more question. One short one, a short one. Ooh. Um, let's go with, uh, Jeff, the red also asks, what is Scott's favorite Mountain Dew flavor? Baja blast. It, it, well, actually, no, that's a lie. That, that is a lie. I do love Baja blast. My favorite, and because it brings me back to my favorite gaming memories, is Mountain Dew Game Fuel that came out when Halo 3 was released. It brings back a lot of nostalgic memories of land partying, playing Halo at friends' houses, and just chugging down bottles of the stuff at a time. It's likely rotted my entire inside as I drink a can of Diet Mountain I hope this question is caused by me drinking Diet Mountain Dew on this show so frequently. So um, They should sponsor us. Call us. Is it PepsiCola or Coca-Cola? Whoever uh, owns Mountain Dew. Pepsi uh, owns okay. Mountain Dew. Please send me some samples of the hard Mountain Dew, by the way, because I will definitely review them on this show. Um, we will be back with the rest of the mailbag questions in our next segment. But first, football season's over, but basketball is in full swing with both pro and college hoops. And you can get all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to even where the next fired coach is going to land all at betonline.net. They are your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. 
and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, and so much more. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we are back. It is the final segment of the Friday Mailbag, and this is usually where it gets kind of wild and crazy. Remember, tweet us at LO underscore Canadians or at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com to send us your longer-form questions if 240 characters is not enough. Laura, what else do we have in the mailbag today? So this is another question from Jeff the Red, and I know we're going to address it in a longer format on our Monday show. But I'm going to ask it anyway, uh, and we'll say why and, and go into, to like, uh, I guess we'll go in depth on it on Monday. The Habs are much more enjoyable to watch, but are you starting to get worried that they're wrecking the tank? I'm not. So it's funny as I couldn't sleep last night, given everything happening in the world. So I actually wrote an article on Martin St. Louis keeps winning games, and that's okay, because they're not going to win at this rate forever. I mean, if they do, that'd be sick as hell, and we're going on another Hamburglar run. But (laughs) I think that the biggest key out of all this is that he's installing this confidence in these concepts, system, potato, potato, whatever you want to call it, that's allowing Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes to better analyze this team now. And it's actually not hurting the tank so much as it's helping the rebuild in that they can see these guys – playing actual hockey and not playing scared and not playing this weird lackadaisical nonsense that they were playing under Ducharme and they can be better analyzed whether or not they fit what they're looking for or not. And some guys still might not be a fit despite the team playing well. And we'll talk about a little bit more in depth on Monday, but I think this is given the front office and the new AGM, the new GM, everything like that, a better way to analyze what they have in house right now. And that only fuels this rebuilding progress right now because they're not guessing or second-guessing anything. I think it's actually – and one, it's fun to win hockey games. For the love of God, we went so long without wins that I forgot what it was like, and then we got four in a row. So uh, I don't think it's ruining the tank. I do think, though, it is helping set them up for what's sure to be a very hectic trade deadline, draft, and offseason. So Logan asks us, this is a two-part question. One, what does St. Louis have to do to keep the head coaching job? And two, if St. Louis continues to be the Caulfield whisperer, do we start calling Caulfield Mini Martin, Mini Marty, Mini Mart, or Little Louis? <laughs> I, I love Mini Mart uh, for one thing because it makes me think of the Quickie Mart as well as someone who loves the Simpsons. So I'm going to go with Mini Mart for that. And it's a very interesting question. And our good friend of the show, Ian Boisvert, who hosts the Build podcast, which you should go check out as well, mentioned that the last time we had a new coach come in and they had this success, we all got really excited. And then we got three years of Dominique Ducharme that lasted one total full calendar season, whatever, and it didn't work out. And I think we have to see him kind of go through some of that adversity first. I know they lost their first three games, but the standards were so low in the floor that he could have come in and they could have tripped over the bar. Most people would have been like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Uh, I I think a lot, there's going to be a lot going into the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him on as a player development person and pass the coaching role on to somebody else. And he doesn't want to do that because even he doesn't know what's happening beyond this year. And I really hope out of everything 
that if he's staying because this team has success and continues to play like this is that they go a short-term contract. Do not go long-term. We've learned that this doesn't work out. It's rare that it works out in the NHL. It's rare that a coach is behind the bench for the length of their entire contract. I mean, even Mike Babcock, you know, who was forced out for a number of reasons, including losing, didn't make it to the end of his. So yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, what he has to do. I think he's more than likely earned the opportunity for at least another full year behind the bench. But beyond that, it's entirely up in the air. It's, it's a very interesting spot to be in. Yeah, and I think if you're the Canadians, you can also justify it to Marte, just being like, you know, there were so many people on our payroll last year that weren't even working for us uh, <laughs> because of that. And so, you know, giving like, like Dominique Ducharme was in year one of a three-year contract extension. Like Claude Julien was still on the payroll or is still on the payroll this season. So if you tell Martin St. Louis, like, we're going to give you a one-year contract. We're, we're going to see how you do with an intermediate rebuilding, you know, group uh, with a bunch of new players that are coming in. And uh, and then we're going to see, and, and then we'll extend it even longer. Or maybe they give him uh, a series of, of bonuses to make that one year seem sweeter, right? You you make the playoffs or whatever, or, you know, a number of your players hit their goals and you get, I don't know, they can do whatever with that. So I'm not too worried. I think he's earned another year for sure, for sure. But I'm, again, wary just simply for the same reason that you and Ian said, like, you know, you want to you wanna give him a one-year deal and see how he fares from beginning to end from development camp all the way until the playoffs or whatever it is, the lottery, whatever the Canadians are aiming for next year, which now is not super clear because now there are rumors <laughs> that they're going to be big players in free agency, which we're also going to talk about on Monday because we're running out of time. All right, Beth from the Happy Hour. Hey, Beth. Um, there are two questions. Which goalie do you start versus the Senators and why? And two... How do you both keep such a great flow of speech while recording? I'm constantly pausing to gather my thoughts slash mouth. Oh, I have to look at the Habs schedule here again because I've forgotten when they what. So they play the Senators on Saturday, on then Saturday, they off, and then they're yeah. off until Tuesday. I think you have to go with Montembeau to be honest. Why? So, 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 okay, so, 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 so. <laughs> You ride the hot hand. However, however, because I am at my heart a garbage poster on the internet, Andrew Hammond beating the Ottawa Senators in a Canadian's uniform while wearing Iowa Wild pads <laughs> would be one of the funniest friggin' things I've ever seen. And for that, I want to see Andrew Hammond start, but I'm not going to be shocked if Martin St. Louis, being a former player and a suspicious man, uh, sticks with a winning lineup. It wouldn't shock me, but I do think that Andrew Hammond starting against the Sens would be a ton of fun and would give him, I think, a really nice return uh, against his former club that helped bring him to fame. So, okay, we're like disagreeing. We we don't disagree on a lot of things on this podcast, but I really i I understand why you would ride the hot hand. That's what everybody does. But the Hamburger, girl, I, like I think it would just be really hilarious. <laughs> Beth, as for your second question, like I talk in my real life a lot. Um, I also talk for a living or part of my day job. It's not, I don't talk for a living. Part of my day job involves talking to people, to lots of people. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I've kind of gotten a little bit, uh, I've started to throw caution to the wind. If I get too in my head, then yes, I will stop and, uh, you know, 
be a little worried. That's why sometimes you listen to this podcast and I'll be rambling and you'll hear me rambling and like it'll sound like I don't take a <laughs> breath and Scott hasn't spoken for two and a half minutes. Uh, kind of like what I'm doing now. I'm just practice at it. I talk a lot. Um, and and uh, and and you know, like I I don't I don't if I say something stupid, I'll just correct myself in the moment. I don't worry about it, but I understand because I think a lot of people, especially when you're being recorded or or even worse, if you're live it like messes with your head and you can't get the thoughts out that are really intelligent in your head. And then when they come out of your mouth, they don't make sense. So like, I feel like I would rather be on the best side of things where you're like processing before speaking as opposed to word vomiting like me, <laughs> but I'm just used to it. Scott, what about you? Uh, it's all the caffeine, just straight <laughs> up. The caffeine just allows me to just few words right out of my face into your ears or on your video there, because I, have never known how to shut up since I was a child. So <laughs> podcasting was a natural career move for me once that became popular. So uh, we've got two questions, two more right. questions left. One of them is from our friend, Blaine Potvin, um, who before I, I ask the question, because it's kind of related, I want everybody to say goodbye to Oscar. This is Oscar's last day with me. Um, he is going to his new home this weekend. Um, and what he's wearing right now is my uh, Boston half marathon medal. It's my running medal that I'm the most proud of. And one day I hope to qualify for the full marathon. Um, in the meantime, if you've got any suggestions, thanks to everybody who's been noticing him there. We've been putting uh, random red herring items right there waiting for people to notice. And so thanks to everybody who's noticed and if you have any requests you can tell me um laura put your popcorn maker there for example um and anyway so thank you to everybody who has finally noticed what i've been trying to do and have a little bit of fun um and blaine's question is which players really remind you of a character in a tv show or a movie does anyone remind you of oscar the grouch <laughs> ben Sherat. <laughs> I, I I had a really mean thought. I was gonna say Ben Chirot because he's trash, but that's he's that's not mean. Trash. That's me. At Although... Kyle Dubas. At Kyle Dubas, he's not trash. He's phenomenal. <laughs> he's at least mixed recyclables. Like <laughs> <laughs> we used to um, last last year, our good friend Happy Carroty and I used to uh, post to Oscar the the the, the Grouch gifts every time. I love he... trash. I know. Thanks, every Corey. Time Corey Perry did something good. <laughs> we would be like, I love trash. I love Corey. Perry, I am trash. Anyway, um, so for me, I was thinking about this like really long and hard. Obviously, Carrie Price looks like a Disney prince. Uh, so does Ben Sherratt, by the way. Ben Sherratt looks like the Disney prince from The Little Mermaid. Like he's got a very specific look. He looks like he Prince looks like, Eric. He looks like Prince Eric, right? But like Carrie Price just looks like a generic handsome prince. Um, but I was thinking of Brendan Gallagher. And even though he started his like TikTok adventure with the Jake Peralta sort of uh, cold open from, from Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I feel like in real life, he must be like that. He is. He's a child in an adult's body. So <laughs> hopefully he's found his Amy Santiago that kind of, you know, gets him to where he needs to be. And uh, which it's funny is that I'm sad that he's no longer with the, I shouldn't say no longer with the team, but not playing because Shea Weber is Captain Holt, Mr. Yes. Serious. And when he says something funny, or does something humorous, you're just kind of like, who the hell are you? Like, what? No, that's not how this works. Uh, and I, I've got one more. All right. Rem Pitlick, like, feels like he should be on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I could also put Josh Anderson in that same category. He, <laughs> he has the look Josh. of a guy who gets into shenanigans at some <laughs> point. So Exactly. 
And are you ready for our nemesis question of the week? Yes, I guess. Can you successfully make an omelet without turning it into scrambled eggs? And if so, Scott, you can pretend you can for this. What are your top three ingredients for an omelet? How dare you assume that I don't know how to make an omelet? You might be correct, but shut up. Um, <laughs> so it depends because I know no matter what I pick, it's going to be wrong in Will's eyes. But I like, I like a nice protein of mine. So I like chorizo. I like pepper jack cheese. And then either, you know, diced peppers. Um, occasionally, if I put, you know, leftover steak in there, I'll use mushrooms or whatever. But it's usually nice diced fire roasted peppers, chorizo, and pepper jack cheese would be in my ideal breakfast omelet in the morning. Little spice there to go along with that. So, so I can, in fact, make an omelet. Um, I do occasionally make scrambled eggs accidentally while intending to make an omelet. Um, and my top omelet ingredients and this is kind of like this is where i'm gonna earn his ire because i don't i don't put meat and i i don't I, as in i do use a meat sometimes but since i try to eat mostly plant-based um like when i am making an omelet i will try and use veggies instead of meat to kind of mitigate the egg factor there and i will use onions i will use green peppers i don't like green peppers except in an omelet and mushrooms I do love mushrooms. I that's apparently a controversial opinion, but we're, if we get into food opinions, this show's going to be seven hours long, and we're already we well work, over time. Uh, time schmine. We do what <laughs> we want. We're locked on Canadians after all. So, uh, Will, yell at us on Twitter tomorrow about this because I'm sure that you're going to. You yelled at me about my cheese opinions last time, which ever it, eat what you like. Damn you! Um, if you want to send us questions at lo underscore Canadians on Twitter or LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. And please make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We love it. We've had a great kickoff to our YouTube uh, our YouTube uh, adventure here. So thank you always for listening and making us your first listen of the day. Please check out Lockdown Fantasy Hockey, where Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy hockey league. Like ourselves, they are free and available on all podcasting platforms. <laughs>